You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Welcome to Living the Gospel of Life. I am your host, Leticia Velasquez, and today I'm delighted to be interviewing O. Dugo, who is a, the postulator of the cause for beatification of Dr. Venerable Dr. Jerome Lejeune. He, she is a philosopher who worked for the Foundation Lejeune and never met Dr. Lejeune, yet she spent at least a dozen years um, gathering information on him to write this amazing biography. Uh, welcome, Ode, to the uh, program. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. Did you first get interested in the Foundation Lejeune and Dr. Lejeune? Why did I first uh, was interested? Yes. Yes. Um, I was interested by the the life of Jerome Jean and the work of the Jerome Jean Foundation uh, because we we work at the service of the children and person with Down syndrome. We called person with uh, trisomy twenty one and uh, all people with mental disabilities. And we have a medical center for them, and we do research to find a, a treatment for them. And we also go on with the mission of Jerome Jean to be the, uh, their advocacy to, to defend their right to, to life. And uh, this is a wonderful mission. And of course, when, uh, when they proposed me to join the, the team, I say yes. And this was 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Wonderful. Um, I'm going to remind my audience that I am the mother of a 19-year-old girl, Christina Maria, who has a Down syndrome. She was born in 2001. And I, I had known about Dr. Lejeune as uh, a, an active pro-lifer on Long Island, New York, where I grew up and I lived most of my life. Uh, there was a group of people, Long Island Coalition for Life, who used to do fundraisers. They did walkathons to help his research um, in the 80s when I was single. So I knew about his research vaguely, um, not particularly inspired, interested because I didn't have a child with Down syndrome at the time. I mean, I thought it was a good idea, but I didn't understand the significance as I do now. Um, anyone who's had a, a prenatal diagnosis of trisomy 21, trisomy 18, knows the feeling of being isolated um, and that sometimes family members and doctors are encouraging you to abort the child. So this is a crisis that... Uh, God has sent us Dr. Lejeune to help us to battle. But um, fortunately, in my pregnancy, I refused uh, prenatal testing because I said no matter what my child has, I was almost 40. I knew there was a possibility. No matter what my child has, my child has a right to life, even if it is a very brief life. That is what God wants. So anyway, but I, I learned about Dr. Lejeune, and I was um, particularly inspired by the book Life is a Blessing, written by his daughter. It's a bit of a memoir. It's written with a lot of love, um, but there's a lot of details missing. And um, I was dying to know all the extra details, so I was very happy when the film came out a few years ago, uh, to the least of these, was a documentary in Dr. Lujan that filled in some of the blanks. But your book, um, Ode, is uh, amazing. It reads like a novel, but it's also an encyclopedia of knowledge. You have pages and pages of references in the index so that if I wanted to write any kind of in paper on Dr. Lejeune, I've got everything I need. And I want to thank you for that. Um, I couldn't put it down, 
but I also had to stop many times to ponder the depths of what he was saying. He was an incredibly smart man. He understood many different fields. And um, I'm sure I will be able to reread this book many times to plumb the depths. Um, so you, you call the book Jerome Lejeune, Man of Science and Conscience. Why did you choose that title? Oh, because um, when we talk, of course, he was a great scientist and was very famous, uh, one of the best geneticists in the world. Um, but the term science evokes knowledge, excellence in the field of scientific competence, a form of expertise, and that great. But that's not enough to tell Jérôme Jeune, because um, a scientist is going to be more and more now technical. And technical expertise does not mean wisdom. And Jérôme Jeune, of course, was very wise. He was a wise man. And uh, it was very important for me to say more than science. And uh, it, I, I thought that conscience was very important to, to describe the way Jérôme Jeune wanted to be um, a good scientist, a good geneticist, uh, but especially a good physician who was really at the service of his patients. And um, we will talk about it, but he was a, a, a great Christian or a Catholic scientific. And uh, he has these two eyes of science and faith. And these two eyes gave him um, a deep um, a, um, a deep view on uh, on the world, on creation, and uh, for his patients, and this is a reason why I, I wanted to put that that word conscience after the the word of science. It's a sad commentary on modern day science that you needed to add that word conscience. It yes. should be assumed that a scientist has a conscience of what his discovery will do to the world. Um, I know Dr. Lejeune initially was an expert on re nuclear radiation. And he spoke around the world, um, including, re I believe, representing the Vatican in Russia um, at a meeting with the, with the Russian premier about the devastating effects of a possible nuclear war. Um, so he knew the destructive power of science as well as uh, the beauty of science and um, was a moral leader in the scientific field for which he paid a great price. We'll, like you said, we'll get to that. I want to start with what he is most famous for. In 1959, he um, released a paper saying, postulating that Down syndrome was caused by an extra copy of the 21st chromosome, the smallest chromosome. So instead of 46 chromosomes, like most of us, Children with Down syndrome are born with 47. And um, he initially was looking in the laboratory of uh, Dr. Chapin in, in Paris at the, the palm print, because he says the palm print will tell us a lot about the development of human being. But with his deductive mind, he discovered how to line up and dye the chromosomes so they could be examined. He would pair them up and photograph them over and over till he got the photographs right. And he, and he re-examined his findings many times that Down syndrome was a, a matter of an extra chromosome so that he could be sure. And that uh, he was already a well-known scientist, but that made him instantly famous. Um, so he won the, the highest award in genetics, the Allen Award. 
in the John F. Kennedy Prize from John F. Kennedy himself and was nominated twice for the Nobel Prize. Um, at the ceremony of the Allen Award, he was um, approached by two scientists the night before that were running the ceremony in San Francisco to not bring up ethics. And uh, he did anyway. Um, he, uh, he was very distressed by the entrance of eugenics into science. Eugenics is the, um, it can be the selection of the best of a breed, say with cows or sheep, to have them breed. But with human beings, it has devolved into selective abortion. But he was very concerned about that, and he addressed that in his talk and um, started controversy in his life because um, scientists don't want to be, in that time, didn't want to talk about the morality of science. They, wanna, they didn't want their conscience to be involved. Am I right? Yes. So, um, and an interesting, what I find very interesting um, is that when he discovered the cause of Down syndrome, he was very humble about it. Um, most people would use that as an opportunity to feel great and to brag. And he said, in fact, I am almost ashamed of the petty celebrity that surrounds a discovery that leads us to no treatment. It is necessary to do something. So he instantly felt the, the call to try and find, okay, now we know what causes Down syndrome. Now we have to treat it or cure it. Um, because he felt that the patients were, were asking that of him. And he understood that their lives were threatened by the discovery. Do you want to discuss that? Yes, I, I think it's a very important point for uh, the German life. Uh, because this first discovery was uh, a genetic revolution. It was uh, uh, the, the first time that they discovered a chromosomal disorder. And uh, so it's the reason why we call him the father of modern genetics, because he was the first to, to find this kind of uh, disorder. And uh, for that, he could have been very proud, proud of him. And uh, as you say, it's, it was not the it was not the idea. The only thing he was interested in was to cure these children, to help them, and to take care of them. And um, after this first discovery, he, he really put uh, all his uh, uh, all his heart, all his strength, all his intelligence, all his science to work more and more to find how to treat them, how to help them, how to cure them. So the only thing that uh, important was, uh, was important for him was to, to cure them. And it was not his uh, vanity, his power, his career. Uh, and uh, this is very important because we touch there his uh, incredible humility. And this is very moving because Jean-Jean was, we can say that he was a genius. His intelligence was uh, genius, but he never used this intelligence to make money, to get more power. He always used it to to serve, to to be at the service of his little patients who were were um, blessed in their intelligence. Where um, he, he used to say that. Uh, um, their intelligence was not free, and he wanted to give them back the freedom of their intelligence. So it's very mm. moving to see that this genius 
was at the service of these children with mental disability. And for me, it's really the, the God spell. So you, you, you kneel in front of the poverty, of the humility of the, of these children, even if you are a genius. And it's the reason why I, I'm, I used to call him, uh, a wise man of the, of the modern age. For me, it's the fourth wise man, the fourth king, uh, you know, who, who contributed to his science, the revelation of the incarnate world. Um, he, he was able to see in each of his patients the face of Christ. Um, a lot of mother, a lot of parents told me that they were very impressed. They were very moved when they met Jerome Jeanne for the first time when they went in the her in his hospital in Paris, Necker Hospital. Uh, when they they went for the first time, they met him, and of course they were quite afraid to be that great professor and a great um, physician. And they were very impressed by uh, his humility. And most of these uh, parents told me that he looked at their child um, uh, as if he was looking to the face of Christ. So mm. he, he saw in each patient the face of Christ. Uh, this little child abandoned his fragility to the protection of adults, and he was there to help the parents. And uh, he loved really these children like, uh, like Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, we see there that it's like a wise man with his uh, science, his genius. Uh, he, he come in front of this baby, he kneel in front of this baby uh, as if it was uh, baby Christ. And with all his science, immense, he bowed before the child with humility. And after, also, we can say that, uh, like the wise man, <laughs> he he did not when go back to the to the government and to the administration who who ask him to to help them to kill these babies. On the contrary, he take he took another way and went away from the. The administration wants the abortion, and you propose a, uh, another way to and the way to the to cure them and to love them. And so, for me, this uh, this idea of the wise man of a modern age is is very important. I think that it's a it's a good way to describe Jerome Jean. I was recently watching a rare English interview that he did, and he discussed the abilities and disabilities of people with Down syndrome. And he said the intellectual you know, disability is only a small part of what it means to be human, that they still have many parts completely intact, if not superior. Uh, their love of art, their ability to love each other and, and God is completely intact, in fact, perhaps enhanced. And so he had yes. an admiration for, the, for people with Down syndrome in, in, in addition to his desire to protect them from abortion yes, and discrimination. Yes, of course. He and he showed that the, their life has a, an infinite, infinite price, of course, and uh, that each life is, uh, is beautiful, even with a, a chromosome, uh, an extra chromosome, or other people who are one less chromosome, or 
each kind of difficulty, of course, your life is beautiful and its, uh, it's price is beautiful. So this was a, he was testified for that. And now, for now, it's very important because unfortunately, life sometimes is so depressed that uh, we have to testify for the beauty of life, each human life. And he made it with all his science, all his love. And, and this is, for me, it's maybe the, the most important thing for Jérôme Jeune. Uh, while studying his life, um, I was very impressed um, by this, Im- his immense intelligence uh, united with his love, with his hers. We, we can say that he loves his uh, patients with an uh, uh, unconditional love. Each patient is, was very important for him. And I have some mother who told me that uh, when they came for the first time to Jérôme Jeune, uh, they were very impressed because Jérôme Jeune looked at their, their son or daughter um, as if his son or daughter was a prince. So, mm-hmm. And uh, this mother told me that it was so beautiful. It was the first time in my life that I saw someone who, who looked at my child with this beautiful gaze and with uh, with this love in his eyes. He looked at my child with uh, as if it was a prince. It was very moving for the mother. So you you see, he, for him, really, each life was very important, was was so beautiful. And his love for his passion was unconditional. And with his intelligence was immense. Um, both united gave him a strength incredible. So nobody could make him deviate of his uh, duty, his mission. And uh, he was very free. He knew by his intelligence, by his heart, by his love, that he had to cure them, to love them. And uh, the people who wanted to make these laws about abortion and uh, uh, genetics, he said, no, we can't do that. We are physicians. And uh, and our duty is to love and to cure. And for, for him, I think it was simple. It was an evidence. And, um, and this is very, very beautiful to see this huge intelligence and this heart so, so large, so uh, unite, united, this harmony who gave him this incredible freedom. And um, I was very moved by Clara's description of his um, meeting with the patient and sitting little Pierre on his lap and helping his parents to realize this is not Down syndrome, this is Pierre. Um, it's something that we, in the parents' movement of children, parents of children with Down syndrome, we insist on calling our children by their names. My daughter isn't Down syndrome. She is Christina. And we owe yes. Dr. Lejeune with their, his beautiful example for that. And also his care for the parents. Um, many a time when the parents would receive a diagnosis or a child would be born with Down syndrome, he would call them at night. And even when, if he was home with his family, because he said when parents are upset, they should never wait. And mm. um, that's very compassionate. I remember the, the diagnosis my daughter received was very poorly delivered. But fortunately, I had spiritual awareness that my child had Down syndrome. I, I received a spiritual insight at Mass one day. So I was um, in partial denial. It was difficult to accept. I had four or five months where I was going back and forth. But when the, the diagnosis was delivered, your child has 
symptoms consistent with Down syndrome very coldly and clinically in the hallway after I gave birth. I was ready, but it, um, it helped that I knew about Dr. Lejeune, that he had dedicated his life to, to children with Down syndrome. And as I read his biography by his daughter, I was very, my heart was warmed by his love for the children and their parents because um, his discovery of Down syndrome as being a chromosomal abnormality with no one to blame um, took some of the shame away from Down syndrome. Clara described how people would cross the street if they saw a child with Down syndrome as if it were contagious or they would blame the mother for having had um, sinful past, um, that it was the result of uh, venereal disease. And all these, of course, were all wives' tales, which science through Dr. Lejeune was able to dispel and free the parents from any sense of blame or shame that their child yes. just had um, an abnormality and was equal in dignity to all their other children. And they needn't be yes. ashamed. Yes, because now maybe it's more difficult to understand, but by, at the time, um, before the discovery of Down syndrome of trisomy 21, um, people thought that uh, family with a child with Down syndrome, uh, it was a punishment, a punishment mm -hmm. for sin. And, um, so it was, it was very difficult for the family because first their child was with this, uh, uh, Down syndrome. No, uh, uh, medicine didn't do anything to, for help, to help them because they, medicine did not know anything about it at the time. So they could not cure and uh, help in any way. And more for the society, it was a punishment for sin. And, you know, when uh, in a family there was a child with Down syndrome, the, for example, the, the sister would never get married because nobody wants to get married with a, a woman oh. whose sister was with Down syndrome. Because we don't know. Maybe we will have a child like that. So wow. it was really, for the family, it was just awful. Um, it was a fatality and, um, and it was quite the, the end of the, of the world. But showing that presumably, uh, had a chromosomal origin and that it was not a punishment for sin by speaking about an illness and saying that he was looking for a medication. Jerusalem changed society's views about children with presumably and their families. And, so many parents told me that doing that, he gave them back their dignity. I have mm -hmm. beautiful t testimonies like that. Um, one of my friend who, who was uh, 15 years old when he discovered Down syndrome and she had two sisters with Down syndrome. And she remember very well when, uh, the, when the second one uh, arrived, his, her father was uh, absolutely down and uh, upset. And fortunately, they, they heard about Professor Lejeune and they went to meet him in Paris. And she told me that Jérôme Jeune get, gave my mother back her dignity because mm. she understood that it was not, uh, it was not uh, punishment for sin for, of her, of her husband. And it was just a chromosomal origin. And so it, it changed everything. And of course, very quickly, his medical consulting practice became the most important of its kind in the world. And he treated uh, 9,000 patients from many countries. And, uh, and it was beautiful because he, he knew each one by name. 
that show how close he was from his patient. And as you said before, um, so many parents um, t- told me about their first meeting with Jérôme Lejeune and all say that there was a before and an after this meeting. They, they arrived wounded with a handicap in their arms and and they left the hospital with their son or their daughter mm. in their arms. And uh, what was the revolution? How, how it happened? Uh, as you said, this is because Jerome Jean, this Greek professor, uh, took their baby, took their son, their daughter, put in a, on his knees and asked the mother, uh, what is your child's name? And Many mothers say that uh, that was uh, at this moment that they realized that their child was in the first place. They, it was Paul, Mary, Margaret, and uh, or Peter, but it was not a syndrome. It was first mm-hmm. his son, and, uh, and this was a revolution in their heart, uh, a new birth, the birth in the heart, and. Uh, and I, I said before, a, a woman told me that uh, he looked at my son as, as he had a prince in front of him, ki- kindly with infinite respect. So this was very important for the for the parents. And when the parents uh, left Georgian, um they said that it was a sign of resurrection for my, for my family, for my whole family. Uh, he made us live. He gave us our dignity back. So this is our words very important, very strong, and um, this is the experience of the families. And you know now, Jean Jean has died twenty five years or uh, years ago. And when the parents uh, explained me this, uh, their meeting with Jean Jean, when they talked me about it, uh, it could be thirty, forty years ago, and they mm. still talk with so much emotion uh, that I really understand that uh, it was uh, maybe the most important moment in their life. So we can see that there was something very special in the way Jérôme Jeanne took care of these babies and of the parents, as you told before. In the United States, um, at that time, 1960, it was very common. We didn't have abortion yet, but it was very common for a child with Down syndrome at, at his birth that the doctor would suggest that the child be put away in an institution. And in some cases, um, they even offered the parent a death certificate so they could completely break ties with the child. And um, as we know, that some of those institutions are absolutely horrible. Um, it's a nightmare. But compared to abortion... Um, it's better. It would have been better. It's very sad that now we understand that the cause of Down syndrome, we understand in many cases that the child is equal in dignity to all of us, but we still have an abortion rate in the United States of 58% when a prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome is given. And I understand the rate of abortion is higher in France and Europe. Yes, it's uh, in France it's 96%. Wow. How so many, quite, what percentage of mothers uh, receive a prenatal diagnosis? Is it very common? Yes, yes. It's very, very common. I think that France is uh, 
one of the worst countries in the world for that. Oh, that, that's terrible. Um, I'm sure yes. if Dr. Lejeune knows this, he's very grieved by it. And the country of and Iceland for, was, was bragging that they are going to eliminate Down syndrome, um, which is ridiculous because it keeps appearing spontaneously. And the only way to eliminate Down syndrome, is, as Dr. Lejeune said, is to eliminate the patient. He said medicine yeah. is, is not medicine when it eliminates the patient. You should eliminate the disease, not the patient. Yes. He always, yes, it's he a, always said, love the patient, hate the disease. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You know, just like we so say in, in, in our Catholic faith, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Yes, we don't like what Down syndrome does and limits our children's intelligence. My daughter has great difficulty speaking, and it's a lot of work to take her to therapy. She's making progress. She's almost 20. But it's hard to see her struggle to speak. But it's also beautiful when she accomplishes getting her point across. Um, we tend to appreciate it even more. And she has brought out uh, characteristics in our family. Um, two of her sisters uh, were three girls, three daughters. Two of them are RNs, they're nurses, because of the, um, they learned to do health care and therapy with her as children. I would homeschool them. They would watch her physical therapy in the house. In America, we're blessed. We have all these wonderful free therapies in the house before the child goes to school if they have a disability at no cost. So we had physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. And my girls would play with her afterwards using the same toys. And um, it made them very good nurses, very uh, compassionate people. It made them young women who do not judge someone by their appearance or their ability or lack of ability. And I think it made all of us more patient and loving because we learned to give more of ourselves. But unfortunately, society doesn't admire these qualities necessarily. And I want to talk about um, the phase in Dr. Lejeune's life after he started to speak out for the unborn, for the, the, the duty of doctors to follow the Hippocratic Oath, which by now most doctors have abandoned because the Hippocratic Oath that they used for thousands of years since the Greek doctor Hippocrates wrote it, that they would not give a woman means to an abortion and they would do no harm. And this, unfortunately, this long time practice in medicine has been abandoned. Um, so Dr. Lejeune wrote to Bert, I believe one time saying that he destroyed his chances for a Nobel prize by speaking out mm. against the eugenic mm. practice of abortion because of Down syndrome. That's a tremendous, yes. one of his greatest sacrifices was giving up, you know, this world-class honor he richly deserved. Um, Clara noted in her book that he should have renamed Down syndrome, Lejeune syndrome, because he was the one who yeah. really defined the illness. Um, I get upset when I see parents of children with Down syndrome giving all the credit to Langdon Down, who did good things for people with Down syndrome. He was kind to them, but he still did not understand what caused it. So scientifically, Dr. Lejeune had the right to rename the trisomy 21 Lejeune syndrome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a better name. <laughs> yes, but um, we, we can. I know that in US you 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 name more Down syndrome. So, but you 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 right because when you talk about the nightmare, I think that for Jerome Lejeune, um, he made this discovery to, of course, to cure these the children. And uh, because they love them, and to see this discovery uh, used against these children, used to make the abortion, to um, to 
before the yes before the, the birth and um for him it was just awful because of course he knew that so many children so many babies will be killed uh with this discovery uh for him it was just horrible of course when he made his discovery in 1958 it was not uh, nobody talked about abortion so it was not a question by the time and it's just uh 10 years later that uh, in the con congress when he went in the, the genetics congress in the world and uh, especially in US for the first time he heard about the genetics and the Uh, some uh, geneticists and uh, physicians were talking about abortion and, uh, and he said, but it's just, just impossible. And uh, of course, for him, as a physician who, who made the Hippocratic Oath, it was just impossible to give um, uh, something to, uh, to, to make abortion. And, uh, and he explained that with a very simple way and uh, just with a A simple intelligence. He say, "Okay, we are physician. We have to cure. We we made the Hippocratic oath. Or we can't kill nobody, anything, anyone. And um, and if we want to use our science, our uh, genetics, um, to to select the, the the children, the babies, and to and to kill the babies who are who are not uh, who are with a disability, who are sick." Uh, but so we have to change our 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 job, our work, because the, of course the mission of a physician is to cure, is not to kill, um, and it was very simple. And of course, uh, in front of that, you can't answer nothing because it's so evident, it's so simple, and to the the reason why in France uh, it was not invited anymore in the uh, on TV and. Uh, And uh, in the radio and newspaper, because his um, his words was very simple and were very true, and everybody knew it was true. But the people who wanted the, the laws of abortion did not want him to to talk because it was too 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 true, and uh, he could make so he could make so damage for the laws of an abortion. And Mrs. Lejeune once was on TV. And uh, she was uh, waiting for him because he was talking uh, on the show. And she uh, she heard a journalist who did not say no that Mrs. Rogan was Mrs. Rogan. And he, he told to another journalist, he told, oh, my God, he's too too good. He's uh, too efficient. Uh, his, his words are too uh, true. We, we not invited him um, we will never never again invite him so you 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 see he was his his um his language his words were very simple very true and uh, and and the truth win so the the person who wanted abortion did not want to invite him, invite him again because uh, In, they knew that he was right, and uh, and uh, they do, did not want to let him talk. Yes, because he endangered their uh, faulty logic with his truth. Um, I'm, I'm particularly impressed by the, uh, the television appearance he made, maybe one of his last, on October 1970, Dossier de Lecran, where he spoke with Dr. Perret, um, who yeah. was the proponent of abortion, the first abortion bill in France in the National Assembly. 
And um, he said, Dr. Lejeune said, prophylaxis does not mean killing sick people. It will never mean that. They were trying to, doctors at that time were trying to say that um, killing children in abortion because they were diagnosed by their chromosomes with Down syndrome during amniocentesis was a prophylactic um, mm. sort of, you know, preventative as, as in yes. taking an antibiotic for a disease. And he said, that is not prophylaxis that, you know, and yes. um, the next day he went to his surgery and a 10 year old boy um, who was watching the television show understood very clearly the threat to his own life that by saying children with Down syndrome could be killed before birth, put his own life in less value and danger in the eyes of society. And he ran up to him and he said, you must offend us. Um, and uh, Clara described to me that he went home white to lunch that day. He used to eat lunch with his family every day. And they knew something had happened. And he said, I will be obliged to speak up publicly to defend our patients. They're going to use our discovery to eliminate them. If I do not defend them, I will betray them. And I will abandon what I have, in fact, become their natural advocate. So then Dr. Lejeune was a naturally a pro-life leader in France during the um, legalization of abortion. It was happening all over the Western world at the time. And he faced yes. death threats and um, insults. He had food thrown at him in, and shouted down in various public forums. It was uh, really disgraceful how he was treated. I, again, because you said his speaking of the truth threatened their, their lives. And they had to mm -hmm. silence him because his truth was so penetrating. Yeah. The, the, the day this little boy came to his, and uh, crying in his arms the day after the, the TV show was very important because it was a, I think it was a step in Jerome Jean's life. It was that day he decided to become their uh, advocate. And before that, he, he, he testified uh, in favor of human life, of course, but he did it in the genetics uh, conference, genetics uh, meetings. Mm -hmm. So it, uh, so for the scientific community uh, in 1970, uh, 1973. Um, but this, uh, the child, the story with this child is in 1973. And after Jerome Jean decided to talk uh, also in the public, uh, publicly, not only in the, in the community, scientific community. And, uh, he decided to go on TV and radio. And of course, he knew that he, he had a lot of, he will get a lot of trouble doing that, that, uh, he will get a lot of problems and, uh, and, and it happened. He, he lose so many money because when uh, when publicly he take the defeat of the of these children and he decided to say that abortion was not a good thing and that we have to try to cure these babies the the French government was so upset that they decided to um, center the center of research decided to to cut all his money. And so he did not have any more money for his research. And uh, his team was cancelled. So uh, in 1980, Jérôme Jean was at the top of his career. One day was only with just one person to, to work with him, was physician, and with no more money. 
So, you, you know, it was just incredible because uh, in U.S., for example, everybody invited him to come to U.S. and to and were ready to give him money and uh, and and so many um, so many um, uh, jobs in university and laboratories. But he decided to stay in France and he worked in France uh, without any help from the government. And the, the only money he, get, he got was from friends, uh, from U.S. and uh, especially the Kennedy Foundation and uh, from um, Guatemala and Venezuela and some friends, French friends, but private uh, money, not public money. So it was really heroic. It was very, very strong to be able to go on with the advocacy of the, these children and of uh, human life and uh, with all the troubles he got doing that. But for him, it was not important. The troubles, he did not care about troubles. The only thing who cared about it was uh, these children and the beauty of human life and his duty. And so for, he, for him, he was very clear. And uh, so he, he, he went on, on this way uh, and he never deviated from him. He was somebody of extraordinary detachment. I remember when he got the job as a dean and he was offered a fancy apartment and a chauffeur and a chef and his children were all excited. Uh, he said, no, <laughs> he yes, didn't want yeah. to become attached to these things. And he used to ride a bicycle into work every day through the streets of Paris, <laughs> yes. led a very simple life. He turned down a lot of social engagements that he'd rather stay home with his family because um, he said... He would rather not because you could fall into temptation. The whole world with its money is a world I do not want to enter into deliberately. And I think that detachment and sense of humility and duty to his patients is what kept him from being afraid. Uh, he, had, he did not value these things, so he wasn't afraid of losing them. I think what hurt him was, like you said, the abortion of children with Down syndrome and the fact that his research was slowed by the lack of funds, and he had to spend time raising money instead of just mm. putting the time into research. Um, and mm. that, I'm sure that hurt him. Um, one, there was one time when he was giving a talk with his wife right close to home in the Rue Galant, and his children heard ambulances and police. And they got on their knees to pray because they thought their father's life was in danger. And Clara said every time they heard an ambulance, they wondered if he had been killed. Uh, so it was very serious. Uh, there was... There was um, graffiti threatening him that the girls would ride to school on their bikes and would see death to Lejeune and his little monsters. And they would see these mm -hmm. horrible things, Lejeune must die. So there's a real hatred of him in the pro-abortion movement. It can be very frightening when you're in mm -hmm. pro-life movement, the, um, the kind of opposition. And he was very brave in the face of it. You know, most of mm -hmm. us don't have as much to lose. I mean, he was an international celebrity. He could have been very wealthy. And had a very easy life, but he chose to do the right thing. And that is where the sainthood comes in, the sanctity. Anybody can be a good science and let it go to their head. Or even a bad scientist, uh, we see today. There's some pretty bad scientists that are very famous right now um, because they have no moral compass. They create a disease and then, um, they, then they pretend to have the cure for it. But either mm. both are a lie. But Dr. Lejeune was the servant of truth. He was the servant of life. And he didn't mm -hmm. see any difficulty with being a Catholic scientist. Uh, he was just uncovering the beauty of God's creation. 
He wasn't trying to dominate it and, and to put creation into the convenience of man. Um, I'm fascinated yeah. with the conversations you wrote between Dr. Lejeune and his wife, Berta, and their beautiful relationship, how he could not have been the great man he was without her support, and how he ran all his important decisions by her. He included her in everything he was doing. I told her, wrote her every day. I think you said there were 2,000 letters between the two of them. Yes, yes. It just, it's incredible. It was really, uh, when when they were not together, when uh, Jean-Jean traveled to U.S. or other countries, or if Mrs. Jean went to the Denmark, which, where she was from, uh, they wrote, um, they wrote together. They wrote one to the other uh, every day. So Amazing. we got two thousand letters. So wow. it's, it's just from the from the fiancée to the to the end of their life, their common life. So it's it's beautiful. Of course, for the postulator, it's just a treasure because <laughs> I oh, read yeah. everything and uh, I, I know I discover so many things in these letters. And Mrs. Lejeune was very incredible because um, she was too very free. And she told me, "Oh, uh, here is the is the bag where you find all my all our letters, and you can read everything." Oh. And I say, "You are, are you sure? Yes, yes, <laughs> please read." So she was very incredible because I don't know that uh, I would I would do that to give right. my letters from, and uh, and it was beautiful because in the first letters during the fiancée and the at the beginning of the the wedding, um, we Jerome Jean is very. Um, is is very uh, can, luminous, and he he explain how he is, and uh, he is very simple. And for example, he he said to his uh, fiance, "You know, I am uh, I am not strong. I am uh, uh, and I uh, maybe I I lack of uh, hope, and and that." And now that seems absolutely incredible because when we talk about Jerome Jean, everybody says, he was so strong. He was a rock. He was a man who helped so, so many people and was really, he was same, um, always ready to help us. And he was so, so full of hope and, uh, um, he was a hope, an heroic hope. But you know that in these letters, when he was 12, 25 years old, he, he thought that he, he was without hope and, uh, and strength. So it's also for the postulator a beautiful way to, to, to understand and to, to uh, see and to admire the, the development of uh, his sanctity. You, we know that when he was young, he was not so hopeful and so strong, but with the virtues, day after day, he became this man so strong and uh, so full of hope and, of course, of charity and faith and justice and uh, all the virtues. So these letters was really a treasure for me because they, they helped me so much to understand his hurt and, uh, and his soul and, uh, and to see the, the beauty of their love. So, so, so many people who, who knew very well Jerome Jean and Mrs. Jean told that... Um, of course, there, there, there was a great connivance between, between them. And uh, as you say before, they, they decided everything together and Jerome Lejeune told her everything. And you know, Jerome, Mrs. Lejeune had a phrase who make us 
uh, love because she always asked him uh, who who have you seen who did you who say you what so every day each night he had to say i met these people who told me that so it was always the question of mrs Lejeune. you met who who told you what and so uh, thanks to that Lejeune explained him everything and she knew everything and they decided everything together and, and now we know so everything I, I hope these letters are published one day I remember yes. reading um, a, a similar Catholic physician, Dr. Jana Bredamola, and her husband yes. had a lovely correspondence. It reminds me of that. And I was privileged to uh, see her daughter speak one time in Washington and to hear her testimony of her mother um, was very moving. And it reminds me of this, that the, the two shall become one sacrament of matrimony can, can take two weak beings and make them into strong individuals because of their union. And the, the grace of God that comes through matrimony. And he took it quite seriously. He did not go into Dr. Chopin's lab without asking um, Berta for her okay. Yeah. Letting her know that it would cost him something. It was not the most lucrative career. And there would be a sacrifice. Yeah. So she was in on that from the very beginning. Um, before we, we only have a little time left, I want to discuss his, uh, Dr. Lujan's special friendship with St. John Paul II. Ah, yes, of course. This was very important in the life of Jerome Jean. Um, they met when uh, Jerome Jean was appointed by Pope uh, Paul VI uh, at the Pontifical Academy for Science. And when uh, the Pope John Paul II was elected in 1981, he went to the Pontifical Academy for Science where Jerome Jean met him. And we, I think that that day Jerome Jean was very... Uh, moved by the Pope because uh, the Pope made a beautiful speech about faith and science, and um, and I'm sure that Jerome was very impressed by that uh, intelligence and that love for science and truth from the Pope. And they and the Pope invited Jerome Jean for uh, uh, for lunch, and uh, and after that first lunch they. They met very often. Um, as soon as Jerome Jean went to Rome, the Pope invited him for breakfast and for the private mass or for lunch. And and I think that their friendship. Jerome Jean never talked about friendship because he because of his humility. He did not want to say that he was a friend of the Pope, but um, everybody know that is that they were friends. And I think that both love the, the human life. Uh, they, they remind the beauty of life and the beauty of the creation. And from the creation, they, um, they, they talk about the creator and they both were very poetic. They love poesy and uh, theater and they had the same sense of humor. And of course, both were very, very intelligent, were, were genius. So mm -hmm. I know that for the Pope, Jerome Jean, uh, was very helpful. His science was very helpful for the Pope uh, in his battle for human life and uh, and human dignity, and uh, and this friendship was uh, very important also for Jean because by the time in France the Church was not very helpful in the battle for human life, and uh, and Jean needs to be helped, and the, the the friendship of of the Pope was very useful for Jean It helps him to. 
to stand, uh, to, to stay on his uh, feet to, in the battle. And you know, by the, the, the day of the attack against the, the Pope in uh, May 1981, um, they were having lunch together on the day of the attack. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Jormjan let the Pope to go to the St. Peter's Square and Jormjan went to the airport to go back to Paris. And when he, he landed in Paris, he, he knew that there was this attack. And it was so awful for the, for Jerome Jean, because at the time, at the first, you know, the first hours, we did not know if the Pope will be alive. Uh, we knew that he was, died. And for Jerome Jean, it was so awful that when he went back home, he was so shocked that during the night, he had to go to the hospital. And, um, he passed three days in the hospital without conscience. And when he went, when he, Again, he, he went back, uh, conscientious. He, uh, the, his family told, but you know that the Pope was, uh, in the hospital and now he's better. And Jean Jean said, Oh, thanks to God, he's better. He's alive. And so the family was very impressed to see that by, by, that he went also to the to the hospital he was shocked to go to the hospital and um after that after the the day Jerome Jean died you know he died on the on easter on the early morning of easter on the april 3rd 1994 and uh, that day the pope john paul ii wrote a beautiful letter to the cardinal archbishop of paris cardinal lustiger and he, he he wrote in that letter that uh, um, to see Jerome Jean died on Easter was for him a sign, uh, a very important sign. He, for him, you see that, uh, uh, of course, it was a sign that Jerome Jean was a, a great servant of life, um, dying the day of the resurrection. It was a sign that he was a servant of life and one of the best one. And um, it was a, a great Christian of the modern uh, age of the of the nineteenth century, and uh, it was very impressive for her, the Catholic, to say that uh, the Pope wrote that letter because, of course, the Pope does not write a letter to other people, the scientists mm -hmm. who, who die. And after a few years later, three years later, during the World Youth Days in Paris, the Pope wanted absolutely to go to kneel before Jerome's grave was, uh, uh, was not in Paris, with uh, one hour far from Paris. So it's, uh, you, you have to, to decide to go there. You, you don't do that in five minutes. And, mm -hmm. uh, of course, the Pope was just three days in Paris and, uh, his schedule was very, very full, but he absolutely wanted to go there. And, uh, he went in front of Jerome's grave and he explained that it was because Jerome was his friend, but of course it was also because Jerome was a, a beautiful servant of life, a beautiful servant of truth, a beautiful servant of God, and and the Pope wanted to testify in in favor of Jerome and of his beautiful mission. And he said that Jerome used all his science, his was immense uh, for the God for the good of humanity and only for goodness of humanity. And for me, it's, it's of course, one of the best uh, 
of the best thing we can say about Jerome Lejeune. Absolutely. And John Paul uh, started the Pontifical Academy for Life just before, while um, Jerome was sick with cancer. And he said, Dr. Lejeune said, I'm dying while on special duty. So he founded yes. the Pontifical Academy for Life. I understand that Madame Lejeune was part of it as during her. He, she took up yes. the, um, the baton and, and started the Foundation Lejeune upon his death which still exists. She has since passed, but the Foundation Lejeune is still um, doing funding research projects. And now they're starting a new hospital for p patients with Down syndrome in Denver. A friend of mine attended yes. the opening. I'm very excited about yes. that. So his legacy lives on both as a magnificent example to researchers and physicians and pro-lifers um, and to parents uh, and those that love someone with Down syndrome. So Next step for Venerable Dr. Jerome Lejeune is uh, beatification. So we need miracles. Yes. Uh, so we need to pray a lot. <laughs> oh, I, and we pray for that and we ask for his intercession. I always, when I have a sick child that I'm asked to pray for, I always mention that I'm asking for him to intercede. So we right. can, um, how can somebody inform you if they know of a miracle? Uh, you, you can uh, send a message on the website, uh, amilejeune.org, or to my email that you can give. Okay. Um, Ami Lejeune is Friends of Lejeune in English. Do you have an English version or just the Ami Lejeune in French? The, the address is in French, but the website is also in English. Is it so English? You can find okay. Some, and the uh, prayer right. in English. That is Ami Lejeune is A-M-I-E-S, Ami, Friends. Lejeune, L-E-J-U-N-E dot org, friendsoflejeune.org. And you can go to that website, you'll get an English version, and you could add a comment there if Dr. Lejeune has interceded for you. We all look forward to the day that um, he is canonized. I hope I live to see it. Um, I have one <laughs> question, though. Um, will Dr. Lejeune, Saint Jerome Lejeune, be patron saint of those with Down syndrome, bioethicists, family doctors? I mean, there's so many things that he could be the patron of. Pro-life? Yes. yes. Um, I don't want to share him as a parent of a child with Down syndrome, but I know I have to because he has such a great legacy. Um, yes. I want him to be a patron saint of our children. They certainly need it. Um, the United States right now is fighting to ban abortion for Down syndrome. We've accomplished it in several states, but then it's battled in the courts, and we have great big uh, cases right now before the Supreme Court, which could overturn some of the abortion laws. So naturally, there's um, violent opposition to that. So we definitely need his intercession and St. John Paul's as well. I'm sure they're both praying for us um, in the cause of life, which um, unfortunately has is, is gotten even more difficult as, as the, the decades have gone by. America has lost 63 million that we know of beautiful children yeah. to abortion. So thank you so much, um, Odega, of um, the postulator of the cause of Venerable Dr. Jerome Lejeune and who wrote the book available at Ignatius Press. The book is Jerome Lejeune, A Man of Science and Conscience. It's an amazing read. Like I said, it reads like a novel, but it's full of so much information that if you, any of you need to do um, research on Dr. Lejeune, I think um, for a project for school or an article, um, I know it was a little difficult for me back 10 years ago when I started writing articles about Dr. Lejeune. There was very little out there. He's not as appreciated as he should be. 
considering his great gift. So I'm happy to add to his um, knowledge of him because there's much to admire. Anyone with so many gifts that put them at the service of life and his brothers and sisters that the society considers um, unwanted. I think that's a, a great example that needs to be better known. So um, thank you so much um, for, for coming on G Living the Gospel of Life, which is based on his encyclical, John Paul's encyclical of Living the Gospel of Life. And we, we look forward to the day that we have a Saint Jerome Lejeune. Thank you so much. Thank you so mm -hmm. much. Thank you, Leticia. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.